I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets, a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Todd. Today, I'm with my son, Lawson. How are you today, Lawson? I'm good. Good. So typically, when we um, would be, this would be one of the times where we talk about invitations. Of course, I haven't prepped you or discussed that with you, but uh, so I would ask normally, what invitations have you been working on lately? from General Conference. Anything you've been working on specifically or thinking about? Yeah, for sure. Um, Trying to do stuff to get ready for my mission. So uh, definitely sharpening up on those primary answers we (laughs) talked about last time. Uh, Actually reading the scriptures and saying prayers and doing all those things for real. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Now, you've actually been pretty good about studying the Old Testament this year, I feel like, because um, we share a Kindle subscription and we have the Hebrew Bible, um, the Hebrew Study Bible, um, and it's uh, it's a Jewish Bible, but it's translated by the best Hebrew scholars in the world and Jewish Hebrew scholars, and, um, and then it has commentary with it. So Lawson and I love that, and every time I log into it, it says do you want to go to this page? And that's the page Lawson is on. And um, then, you know, I'll read it and it'll tell him, do you want to go to this page? So I feel like you've been doing pretty good at that. Yeah. Awesome. The Old Testament rocks. Indeed. I liked, <laughs> was it Elisha? Whichever one with the bear. Oh, uh, Elisha. Elisha. With yeah. the bear. Where the bear ate the kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was a great story. I like, <laughs> I like all of it. I just always remember that. Yeah, that little... one's a very vivid. Yeah, awesome. Well, two minutes in, we've gone off the rails. <laughs> Doesn't take long. <laughs> Rivka, save us. Uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Good. What have you been working on for invitations? Um, the invitation I've been working on actually comes from President Nelson's talk in the Sunday morning session at the end of it. So this is kind of a spoiler alert, but it'll be good because by the time we get to that, I'll really be able to give an accounting. I hope, (laughs) I hope you guys can keep me on track so that by the time we talk to this, I will be able to give an accounting, but in it, he, uh, the talk is about overcoming the world and he, this is what President Nelson says, let him know through your prayers and your actions that you are serious about overcoming the world. Ask him to enlighten your mind and send the help you need. Each day, record the thoughts that come to you as you pray, then follow through diligently. And I was like, challenge accepted. (laughs) You've been doing that for years, Rivka. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, but I'm going to do like, I'm just going to do it specifically. And like, actually, write it out. I mean, I think about it and I try to follow through. But I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna see what happens if I take his challenge to record the thoughts that come as I pray. So okay. time will tell. 
Well, if you're going to work on that, I feel, you know, just a deep sense of inadequacy. So I need to maximally like triple, quadruple my efforts just to reach one one hundredth of what you do. (laughs) No, but you should do it too. You're already working on prayer, right? I am. I am. That's true. Open the notes app. Yeah. Write a little thing. I like it. And Lawson, actually, when we were with you, he bought, or I think we bought him a little notebook from a little notebook store, which... Was it one of those leather bound ones? No, no, not no. the, um, those the are sweet though. Name. Yeah. I don't remember the name. Oh, Moleskin. Yeah. Moleskin. Yeah. Moleskin. Yeah. No, it wasn't a Moleskin notebook. Um, yeah. So we, um, you know, I, we went into some lovely journaling shops when we were together and, uh, yeah. everyone enjoyed it, especially Rivka, but I think all of us love a good notebook. So, yeah. Good. Well, I have been working on pride and prayer. And obviously, um, Lawson called me to repentance on the last podcast about my pride. So there's some work to be done there. Indeed. <laughs> and uh, and um, prayer, I think I'm, I'm getting better. So a few podcasts ago, I said, you know, I'm going to redouble my, my efforts and my focus. And I did that and I think I'm improving. I think I could still improve. So I'm going to continue on with that. So Well, today we're going to discuss a framework for personal revelation by Elder Dale G. Renlin of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. We are still in the Sunday morning session of General Conference. And before we get to the fundamental doctrine, I think we just got to start out the way he started. I'll just quote him directly. He said, like many of you, I've been greatly influenced by Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf over the years. That explains, at least in part, what I'm about to say. So with apologies to him, well-trained airplane pilots fly within the capacity of their aircraft. (laughs) Um, That got a good laugh and uh, was very, very funny. Um, And of course, he could have used a medical analogy because he's a cardiologist, um, but he didn't use the plane analogy, and I think it worked really well. So pretty fun to hear that and to see the camaraderie among the 12. Um, So... Um, we're going to start with you this time, Lawson. Um, so again, I'm not sure if you marked a specific quote as your fundamental doctrine, but if you didn't, what was your overall impression of the doctrine about this talk? Uh, if I got to pull a specific quote here, I'm going to pull right from the top above what you just read. Uh, we need to understand the framework within which the Holy Ghost functions. When we operate within the framework, the Holy Ghost can unleash astonish- astonishing insight. Awesome. Um, what, well, how did that stick out to you? What did it mean to you? I think it's a very succinct summary of the talk. Um, and kind of connects that airplane analogy he just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but he discusses flying the airplane within its bounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then goes on to talk about the bounds of the Holy Ghost and then operating within those bounds and the blessings that brings us. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Rivka, how about you? What was your fundamental doctrine? And I think Rivka might be on mute. Oh, okay. I fixed it. Um, So I don't know if this is a thing that will continue on throughout this thing, but I keep seeing these like links between the talks, the order of the talks. And so... (laughs) At the end of Sister Browning's talk, I wrote eyes to see because I felt like 
her talk was that eyes to see. And this one by Elder Renland is ears to hear. <sighs> ears that's to hear. Yeah. So I feel like, I, now, I, that's for me. I don't know that anyone else is going to see this, but I will say that um, I have felt in my study already, like four, three talks in, that that any amount of effort we put in the spirit is just like willing to pour out understanding and instruction. I'm experiencing that already. So personally, you know, for my own personal needs. So encouragement for everyone to do that. Anyway, so I feel like this talk for me is, is that it's ears to hear and how to do that. And I think that this talk will be a frequently quoted excellent reference on personal revelation. We've been hearing from the prophet for years that we need to need to be able to learn how to receive personal revelation. And this talk is like a handbook for it. It's so good. Um, so I will read a couple of quotes. Well, it's basically like the first five paragraphs, but I'm just going to pull out a couple of, like I'm abridging <laughs> it. I'm abridging it sent a few sentences out of it. Okay. Um, so he says, no matter how brilliant or talented they are, he's talking about the pilots, only by flying within this framework can pilots safely unleash the enormous potential of an airplane to accomplish its miraculous objectives. In a similar way, we receive personal revelation within a framework. When we operate within the framework, the Holy Ghost can unleash astonishing insight, direction, and comfort. Outside of that framework, no matter our brilliance or talent, we can be deceived and crash and burn. And I thought that was such an, I think this is just a very well chosen analogy um, because we've all heard stories of these. Well, I think all, maybe this is going to show you like the weird things that I watch on YouTube or read, but about (laughs) plane crashes where the, the pilots say the instruments are working and they go into a store and they, and the instrument is all showing everything working correctly. And then they crash into a mountain, you know, for some reason, because either they're reading it incorrectly or the instruments aren't actually working, but they think they are. But I just think this is such a good analogy for revelation because we can get this wrong if our instruments aren't tuned and we're not tuned to reading them correctly. And that's what this talk is about. Awesome. I love that. Thank you, Rivka. Lawson, did you have something to add to that? Um, not specifically, I guess. Um, you looked ready to inspire us. Well, it just reminds me of when we were actually traveling out to, uh, we, on our very first flight, Oh boy, we got on board and they were doing checks. Everybody was boarded. Luggage was in everything ready to take off and get our one day of travel less than a day of travel out of the way. And they are taking a while and then they are checking the instruments. I don't know what was happening exactly, but we all get called off and an unfortunate series of events occurs and we are set back, what, 26 hours of travel. <laughs> yep. Um, so better than crashing and burning. Um, Spiritually, I guess that could be a warning from the Holy Ghost. You know, do not take off. Do not take this route. Yeah. 
but an unfortunate experience in real life. Indeed. We, at one point we traveled like 12 hours just to go like a 45 minute flight or something. We, it was interminable. And then we slept in a hotel by the airport and in Chicago. And yeah, it was, it was not pleasant for sure. Um, which is a good analogy, right? And so there was some mechanical failure or whatever, and they were just being safe. But, um, if you're not following all the checklists, you can go off, off the plan. Now, strangely, the pilot actually like flew the airplane to Chicago by himself to get it fixed. And I was like, well, how dangerous could it be if he's flying it to Chicago? But um, I was actually thinking Lawson, as Ripko was talking about our flight with uh, one of the young men in our ward. I just thought of that as well. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so he got Logan, his pilot's license. Shout out. What's that? Shout out to Logan. Shout out to Logan. Um, so, you know, he does his whole checklist and everything. And then we take off. And then we were talking about how there's different kinds of pilot's licenses. So with the license he had, he's not allowed to fly the plane if he can't see where he's going. Mm. He can't fly by instruments only. Or he's not allowed to fly by instruments only. So it was very cloudy that day. And so if we ever wanted to fly above the clouds, we had to wait till there was a like a break in them and then circle around that break until we were above the clouds. Um, so it was pretty interesting. And, you know, I, it reminded me of what you were just saying, Rivka, about flying blind, but with instruments. And in this case, going back to Sister Browning's talk about sight, you know, if we're seeing the world um, as it really is through the lens of the gospel and through the Savior, then, you know, we're not relying on these peripheral things. You know, we're, we can see where we're going and we know exactly what to do. So, and off, and he was very diligent about following all the protocols. All the places we took off from and landed were like tiny little airports that were basically strips of concrete that nobody ever was at. But he still did all the right checks and all the radio calls and all of that. And, you know, we landed safely. So, and uh, additionally, when he was describing those licenses to us, uh, he was telling us about a commercial license, which I believe he hope, hopefully wants to get. Um, and that requires a ton more training um, before your people are allowed to pay you, and then a ton more training before he's allowed to fly like the big, uh, you know, Delta commercial airlines yeah. for large groups of people taking them places, which uh, is covered in this talk. You know, that would be the profit, the head of the entire aircraft. Um, you need a lot of qualifications for that. And you cannot do it if you're not qualified, which means you cannot do it if you're not the prophet. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. Great analogies, airline analogies. So, well, the fundamental doctrine that I picked out was a little bit of a side branch, but, you know, this whole talk is about receiving personal revelation in that framework. Within that framework, once we're receiving revelation, I loved this sentence, um, it's the last sentence in the third paragraph. He says, with the help of the Holy Ghost, we can transform our divine nature into our eternal destiny. Yeah. Um, so I-, I thought that was really interesting. Of course, we center everything on Christ, but sometimes we underestimate the importance of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Um, this talk is chock full of amazing footnotes, so please click on them and read them. Footnote two says... 
The Holy Ghost is the third member of the Godhead, is often referred to as the Spirit or the Spirit of God, and performs vital roles in the plan of salvation. So here are the roles that he he plays for us, ones that are so, so important. He says, he bears witness of the Father and the Son, so our testimonies come from him. He reveals the truth of all things. Our learning comes from him, sanctifies those who have repented and been baptized. We are purified, or sometimes I tell people that I'm working with on repentance, the atonement is mediated through the Holy Ghost. And is the and continuing the quote and is the Holy Spirit of promise something that I need to just read more about um, doctrinally? So anyway, I just thought what a great emphasis on the importance of having the Holy Ghost and not just hearing Him, which of course is fundamental to that, but all those other actions and, and roles that He fills in our lives. So I really enjoyed that part of it. Okay, well we've talked about airplanes a lot, um, so. Just to reiterate the framework he's talking about here, you know that when you fly a plane, you have your runway and other planes have their runways and, you know, there are appropriate checklists and things. And, um, you know, if, if, if you're using the wrong one runway, you're going to crash. So just to reiterate that framework, Rivka, what else stood out to you as you read through this talk? Well, he gives us the list, of course, he gives us four elements for this framework for personal revelation. Um, so maybe we could just kind of talk through those four. I love it. Yeah. Let's go with number one. Okay. Number one, he says the scriptures form the first element of this framework for personal revelation. Feasting on the words of Christ as found in the scriptures stimulates personal revelation. I have definitely had that experience. So when he says that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how that's worked for me. There have been times for sure when I have been in the scriptures. And I think that said, the way he says that is it stimulates personal revelation is a really good way to phrase that thing that we always try to say where it's like, well, sometimes the answer comes and it has to do with what I'm reading. But a lot of times I'm just reading and then I'll, you know, I'll start receiving understanding or an answer to a prayer I've been praying or something I've been trying to figure out. So right. there is something about that. being in those, those holy books that stimulates personal revelation. So even if the words aren't going to come directly off the page as the revelation, the spirit that is a conduit, um, just being in the scriptures. Completely. Um, yeah. This is, again, the connection that I was not seeing until you said it multiple times now between this and the last talk. Um, you know, Sister Browning started with these fundamentals, these primary answers as well, you know, read the scriptures. And um, she also mentions uh, words, you know, words of the prophet. So mm -hmm. um, conference talks and so forth. Absolutely. And Elder Bednar loves to say when he's speaking, don't write down what I say, write down what the spirit says to you as you're listening to me. Um, I also loved footnote 10 from this section. Um, the sentence that it's attached to says, the scriptures also teach us how to receive personal yeah. revelation. Mm -hmm. And then footnote 10 gives a great like mini doctrinal summary, just like the Holy Ghost. Oh, one. I loved this one. Yeah. Uh, do you want to read it, Rivka? Uh, sure. The scriptures teach that the voice of the Holy Ghost is mild and still like a whisper, not loud or noisy. It is simple, quiet, and plain. It can be piercing and burning. It affects both mind and heart. 
It brings peace, joy, and hope, not fear, anxiety, and worry. It invites us to do good, not evil. And it is enlightening and delicious, not mystifying. Yeah, I love that. If you want to know if you're feeling the spirit, there's a good thing to like, take a look at that. What am I feeling? Yeah, (laughs) so good. I mean, I, I feel like he just summarized in those two footnotes, like, all this incredible stuff about the Holy Ghost it, yeah. that you could not learn if you took years to study. I, I don't know. Like it was so, I was stunned when I read both of those. Like so. it's, a, it's a really concise list of the fruits of the spirit, right? Right. Peace, joy, yeah. hope, good, enlightenment, deliciousness. <laughs> Amazing. There you go. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the footnote has a bunch of other references in it as well. Just a ton of great scriptural and other references. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh, so good. I, I could probably spend forever just getting lost in all these footnotes. So, yep. well, f- framework one is scriptures. Lawson, what is framework two? The second framework is that we receive personal revelation only within our own purview, not within the prerogative of others. Okay, what does that mean? It means that we only have the license for our plane. Um, Ooh. He talks a lot about higher level um, things, like people who believe they received revelation for the whole church, um, something which is now explicitly clarified. Only prophet receives revelation for the whole church. Mm-hmm. Um, he also talks about personal revelation um, and some of the, well, I suppose that's the third framework. So I won't talk about that yet. Um, it's the natural contrast to receiving revelation for the whole church. Yeah. But, and he told that story about a guy who said, well, I, I feel like I've received revelation about a scriptures buried under something. And, yeah. I love that story. And he said, well, I don't, I don't need to, Elder Renlund said, I don't need to pray about that because it's not your right to receive that revelation. <clears throat> The footnote at the end of that story says, fortunately, arrangements were made for him to receive the help and treatment he really needed. Um, So that was an interesting footnote. But yeah, we only receive revelation for our stewardship. So right now, what's your stewardship, Lawson? Myself? Mm Mm-hmm. What else? You're uh, fishing for something here. Um. I do have other answers that I'm thinking of, but I'm not seeking for you to say something specific. I mean, I'm hoping to just stimulate uh, thought and engagement. A couple of years ago, I would have said um, the deacon's quorum or the priest quorum when Mm -hmm. I held uh, positions within those quorum presidencies. Good. What's your position now? Member of the elders quorum. Good. Great. So... How does your... Uh, my ministering assignments? Good. Yeah. So that doesn't include like, hey, ministering brother, I um, got a revelation that you need to right. you know, move to Canada yeah, or whatever, yeah. uh, but ways that you can help your ministering brothers, right? Right. What's your calling right now? Ward pianist. Yeah. Choir pianist. Choir pianist. Right. <clears throat> so um, seeking revelation to help you in that calling. I think piano... At the choir level, is pretty easy for you. So probably you don't have to put in a lot of effort as someone who's very skilled at piano. Um, 
Yeah. But I wouldn't say very skilled. But. Well, I mean, you're, you play all these jazz things. And so like, <laughs> you know, one, four, five, one is probably pretty straightforward. But anyways, um, you know, so that you could seek revelation for that as well. Yeah. So Rivka, as someone who was just recently released from a calling, did you notice any difference in the amount or type or um, frequency of revelation you were receiving? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And even just sort of an, it must be, so I didn't serve a full-time mission, um, but I've heard through my whole life, you know, this idea that like they were released and it was like the mantle was gone. Yeah. And so I understood that in, in principle, but until I held callings like this, I didn't understand it. But that same thing happens when you're released from a calling. So I can distinctly, I, I found out I was being released, um, but I wasn't released for two Sundays <laughs> because of state conference and some other things. Mm. So I knew I was going to be released. And so I was in the sort of wrapping up stages of that and getting ready to, you know, transfer things over, but then sitting in sacrament meeting and having that, um, read and then leaving sacrament meeting, it was noticeable. Uh, it was, it was a noticeable, lift like lift and shift of uh, like responsibility but not just in the sense of like you know what's on a to-do list or a binder but also the type of caring and loving for the young women that the savior needs the auxiliary presidency to have and that shifted and I felt it very clearly. Doesn't mean I don't still yeah. love those girls, but there is a flavor difference. I don't know right. if that's if that's a helpful description. <laughs> that's just like the love I have for them is just from Rivka because I know them and they're wonderful girls. But that the type of love that is, I believe, a more full version of the Savior's charity for those young women shifted to Melissa, who became the next president. And so yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. I feel like that type of love that you're describing is a gift of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think of gifts of the spirit, we sort of overlap them or, or even um, conflate mm. them with talents, you yeah, know, just I'm, I'm, I'm naturally good at this thing or whatever. And certainly the Lord gives us gifts, but I think a gift of the spirit, the key word there is spirit. So, um, the Lord granted you a type of love that you cannot have yourself without the spirit being involved. And, right. it, and it gave you that love because of your stewardship. And so it doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't even mean you don't have a Christ-like charity for them just because, you know, of your efforts to be a Christ-like person. But the gift of the spirit is a type of love that you can only have when you have that specific stewardship and gift over over those girls yeah Um, because i think it is a portion of his love as an individual i have but but the savior and i are clearly two individuals and so it's like i feel my love for them but also i felt a portion of his love for Mm. them and that is what that comes along with that um the the priesthood authority that comes with callings and so then when that priesthood authority transferred to the next person, the calling, that love of the Savior went with the, the authority and the calling. Yeah, 
Um, I love it. Thank you, Rivka. What a great discussion. So the third element of the framework is that personal revelation will be in harmony with the commandments of God and the covenants we have made with him. So I once had a young man, and I've actually had multiple discussions with other individuals as well, but say, well, they weren't 16 and they said, well, I'm going to pray about whether I should um, date this girl, you know, as she would be my girlfriend. And I I sort of said, well, I don't, you know, I'm not sure you need to pray about that because you've been given pretty clear instruction in the first strength of youth pamphlet. So maybe, you know, I I invited that person to pray about that revelation or that, you know, their testimony about the, the, for the strength of youth guidance that they received from the prophet. And there's, um, he gives a couple great examples in here. So he talks about, um, something that I hear all the time. I think anyone who's talked about the Sabbath day has had some sort of discussion about this, but he says, well, what if you prayed to sort of be excused from going to church, you know? And he said, well, you know, I've already revealed my will for the Sabbath day. And then something I wanted to ask you about Rivka is his discussion of Nephi. So of course, Nephi was commanded to kill Laban and that would appear to violate a commandment. And he just said, well, our personal revelation won't violate commandments. So how do we, how do we harmonize that? How do we make sense of that? My dear friend Rivka and the mute button. Why? I know. Okay. (laughs) Someone needs to stop. Um, (laughs) The, okay. There is an astoundingly good footnote at the end of this paragraph where he says, so this is kind of a little of how he explains it. Um, One, he says this exception doesn't negate the rule, the rule that personal revelation will be in harmony with God's commandments. Um, No simple explanation of this episode is completely satisfactory, but let me highlight some aspects. The episode did not begin with Nephi asking if he could slay Laban. It wasn't something he wanted to do. Killing Laban was not for Nephi's personal benefit, but to provide scriptures to a future nation and a covenant people. And Nephi was sure that it was revelation. In fact, in this case, it was a commandment from God. And that's where the footnote is. And this footnote is worth the trip. This is what he says. The Lord often does change, amend, or make exceptions to his revealed commandments. But these are made through prophetic revelation and not personal revelation. Prophetic revelation comes through God's duly appointed prophet according to God's wisdom and understanding. These exceptions include the Lord's revelation to Moses and Joshua to kill the inhabitants of the land of Canaan, despite his commandment, thou shalt not kill. The Lord, through his prophet, can and will revise his commandments for his purposes. We are not free, however, through personal revelation to alter or ignore established commandments that God has revealed to his church through the prophet. That is such an important thing to get into our heads. (laughs) So Nephi's, he was not praying for the commandment to be bent so that there could be an exception made for him. Rather, the Lord was making an adaptation to a commandment and instructing Nephi, giving him a commandment. (laughs) So, and God can do that. He can change his commandments because that's, that's within his purview and prerogative, but it is not within our purview and prerogative to ask or require or bribe or demand that God change it because we want something to be different or we want an exception made for us. Right. 
Yeah, fantastic. And we have sort of a rigid view of the structure of what a prophetic role is. But in the Old Testament, you had multiple simultaneous sort of prophets or people who, you know, were acting in a prophetic role. And Nephi was acting in a prophetic role in that moment or in that instance and throughout that whole story, even though Lehi was his father and also acting in a prophetic role, even though Jeremiah was a contemporary. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's a dramatically different situation than another story he tells, which is somebody who, you know, broke some laws because, you know, he supposedly felt inspired to do that or whatever. Right. Um, And so, you know, I I think it, it is challenging. I wish Deanna were on this podcast because she has struggled with that Nephi story, I think her whole life and may not even still feel settled about it. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough one sometimes to wrestle with, but he gives us some great principles here. Well, and we certainly can see through the rest of, I mean, from the beginning of that experience that, that Nephi and his brothers do that Nephi is acting as the prophetic counsel for that group, for he and his right. brothers as they go throughout yeah. and he's receiving revelation the whole time. So this was not even out of, um, really out of order with what was happening in that whole experience. Right. Great. Um, I think it's also worth noting that, uh, as, uh, he says, I'm trying to find the exact quote, uh, something about it is better for, um, one man to be killed than for an entire nation. Uh, God's covenant people to dwindle and perish. So Nephi is receiving prophetic guidance there by virtue of the fact that he is acting for the sake of the entire church and the and for us, our current church. Right. Yeah, good point. He wasn't acting just for his people or even his descendants. He was acting for us. Great insight. Thank you, Lawson. Okay, we're over time. So for the sake of time, I'm going to summarize quickly the fourth element of the framework, and that is to recognize what God has already revealed to you personally while being open to further revelation. Um, So I encourage you to read that section, and he tells a story about the lost 116 pages. I loved footnote 27, and this quote sums up the whole section from Joseph Smith. We never inquire at the hand of God for special revelation only in the case of there being no previous revelation to suit the case. Um, So basically, a lot of things we already have the answers to. So if we've received the answer, we need to stick with it Um, and then be open when the new new revelation comes. So, all right, let's move on to invitations and promised blessings. So Lawson, what invitations did you see here? Um, I saw an invitation that I absolutely loved in the final paragraph. Okay. I invite you to have the confidence to claim personal revelation for yourself, mm. understanding what God has revealed consistent with the scriptures and the commandments he has given. Um, I love that he says, have confidence to claim it for yourself, because uh, I think you could construe all of these sort of warnings and or frameworks, you could construe them as warnings and that could lead you to not have confidence. Uh, you know, if you receive personal revelation to then doubt yourself and go through this, but open up that possibility of, am I receiving false revelation? But actually, um, the frameworks and constraints of 
revelation are designed to give us confidence mm. um, so that we may act boldly on personal revelation um, to fulfill the purpose why it was given to us. Oh, I love that. Thank you. How has that, how have you experienced that as you've sought revelation yourself, specifically about going on a mission? Well, um, there was a pretty long sort of period where I had my mission papers ready to turn in, uh, but I felt very strong revelation that I should, basically I was just told, stop, go no further. Um, so I sort of just sat on those papers for a long time, um, prayed, did various things, uh, talked with my parents and my bishop and uh, <laughs> other spiritual counselors. And eventually, um, it just sort of reached the point where I was asking on similar things, but I eventually uh, was reminded that sort of this fourth principle um, that acting on things that are already given. And there's a story, I don't remember which uh, general authority it was, but they go down a long path only to find it's the wrong path. But they Holland. go back to the conference, Elder Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided, okay, can I go forward then? And I was sort of not receiving any revelation to either side. So I just went forward, turned out fine, got a great call. I feel super great about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, sometimes, uh, I feel like there's, you know, there's lots of revelation that we receive. Sometimes it's a lightning bolt. Sometimes it's a sunrise. Um, meaning, you know, slow, gradual brightening of, of the revelation. Sometimes as you just described, um, we do everything we can we know we're right with the Lord. He has not warned us to stop, or in this case, the warnings sort of ceased. And then we just go forward. And and if we need to be warned again, he'll warn us. And I, I think there's a, a scripture in Doctrine and Covenants 128.9, which talks about that and says, you know, if you, if you've, you know, acted in faith and you have the authority to proceed and you proceed, the Lord will sort of support you in that if he hasn't directed you not, not to go that way. So yeah, thank you. All different ways that we can receive revelation. Uh, Rivka, how about you? Any invitations here and promises that you've, you found? Um, the, well, here's the promise that comes with it. It's actually just a little bit ahead, but he says, um, we should recognize that personal revelation may be received line upon line and precept upon precept that revealed direction can be and frequently is um, incremental. The elements of the framework for personal revelation are overlapping and mutually reinforcing, but within that framework, the Holy ghost can and will reveal everything we need to soar onto and maintain momentum on the covenant path. So I like that. And then he says, I know that the Holy Ghost can and will show you all things that you should do. And I think those are some some great blessings we can trust in. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I loved this one. Worthy of more study and, and go after those footnotes if you can. 
Now, the next talk we're going to discuss is called Let Doing Good Be Our Normal. Hmm. Going with the theme, could that be Hands to Lift, Rivka? And the, the one after that is Eternal Principle of Love, Hearts to Love. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we got a Sunday morning theme here. So um, the next one we're going to discuss is by Elder Rafael E. Pino. I don't know if that was going to be Portuguese or, or Spanish, so I didn't really apply an accent there. So I apologize. Um, of the 70. So until then, uh, you can get a hold of us on social media at Words of the Prophets Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thank you for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.